This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, everyone, this is Gerard Fox, and how are you today? You know, we're approaching July 4th, and I want to again focus on the fact that we all need to reflect upon the inequities of the inner cities and how poor their housing is, how we don't really provide good food or education for them. We can't just drive by and around them. You know, we're going to have Father Greg Boyle on as a guest that many of you will hear from, and there's different things we can do to bring things back to a community level so that we improve the standard of living. I'm not a big believer in listening to corporations, politicians, or the media. And my law firm is there for you. We are diverse. We are bicoastal. We litigate everywhere. Our rates are very free. Not free, but our analysis is free, and our rates are competitive. And so, anyhow, if you're sitting there and you're listening, know that knowledge is power. And my job is to bring you knowledge and to bring you important guests who will inspire you and increase your knowledge base. Today, I have Jenny Maud. She is an amazing person for so many reasons. She has been a professional 16 years in the fashion industry, 18 years handling residential real estate in New York City, which is a very, very competitive market. And this is her 16th year at the Corcoran Group, which is a world-class real estate firm in New York. She is one of the best. If you're looking for any kind of high-end real estate, in New York, you should reach out to Jenny and she'll have to tell you to do it at the end of this. She was born in Hong Kong, which of course has been in the news a lot because of the fact that China has taken over rule of Hong Kong. She was born to a Chinese father and a Filipino mother. She lived in both Hong Kong and the Philippines during her childhood. And she uncovered her creative passion at the age of 10 by a kind sewing class teacher. And isn't it amazing how those angels come into our life and inspire us? She designed and made her own clothes as a young teenager, which is very impressive. She went to a British Army high school in Hong Kong. She excelled in sewing, photograph, and art classes. As a teenager, she would help out in her father's retail store that sold sporting goods during the weekend. And the sportswear worn by Yvonne Lendl, whom she met when he was a rising star, a friend of her late father, studied one year of college in Manchester. She joined the family business at the age of 19 after her father passed away, who founded a popular casual wear company in Hong Kong, and she decided to drop out of school to stay put in Hong Kong for her mom and two younger siblings. Her late father was a marketing genius, so is our guest here, Jenny, which inspired Jenny throughout her life. Jenny is self-taught in many of her diversified skill areas. The highlights during the seven years in a family business in the mid-80s, which was her version of college and university, and for many people working in a business, a family business is their college and university. She held a number of positions that allowed her to learn everything about the fashion industry. And in 1992, she joined Elle Magazine's licensing and branding division for Asia Pacific. 
She had a seven-year tenure there. And that's a very big magazine we've all heard of. And, you know, this is, again, just the amazing power of women in business. She was the marketing and business development manager for Southeast Asia for three and a half years, and she succeeded in launching Elle's branded women's footwear, bags, men and women's undergarment, yes, Elle Home, H-O-M-M-E, luggage, eyewear, children's wear. She relocated to New York City, where I met Jenny, in 1998, 23 years ago, as the licensing and business development director for North and South America. She traveled 30% of her time throughout Asia Pacific, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Indonesia, many other places, the Philippines, Paris, London, Amsterdam, Frankfurt. In 2003, she started in the real estate business with a generational clientele selling from $300,000 co-ops to $15 million condos. She can sell the big stuff. She has repeat clients from across the country to foreign international clients. Many are families from Spain, London, Rome, Madrid, Singapore, Hong Kong, the Philippines. Many are investors, and she helps to manage the properties by securing tenants. In 2018, she launched her curated real estate experimental events with a higher purpose by hosting different artists, art and real estate. I've gone to those events. They were stunning before the pandemic ended them. She hosted various social impact organizations and new development condos, penthouse condos, really, all over Manhattan. In 2019, she hosted about eight projects and curated 27 events, helped raise $15,000 for various nonprofit organizations for Africa, Jamaica, and local orphanages, and she was just getting started when the pandemic hit. Outside of real estate, she's been a poet since 2013 and continues to write when time permits. She has an eye for details and enjoys being hands-on in her creative visuals with her photography. She frequented trekking mountains in the Alps of south of France and Barcelona and climbed a volcano. She's gone to the Canary Islands. She loves ballroom dancing, especially Argentine tango. The waltz, she is a conscious living practitioner and loves to be matchmaking in all that she does. She's an officiant and had officiated friends' weddings and the people that she matched and married in front of hundreds of people. and. She's also got something going on that we're going to get into that has to do with something that I feel is going to become very prominent given climate change, given the lack of trust that human beings on the community level have in politicians, corporations, and the media, which is the idea of sustainable community living, living within your community and raising it up yourself, not looking for others outside who will pander you for your votes or your money or sell you products that are not good for you. And they're not good for you sugar, gluten, too much salt, sends you to the doctors who give you pills and procedures. We need that independence, that community living. Jenny's going to get into that. Jenny, you are probably one of my most diverse and interesting guests. Let's start with fashion for a little bit. And are you still doing something in fashion? What brought you to fashion? Where do you see the fashion industry going? First of all, Terry, I would like to thank you for this moment to be on your podcast. It's a real privilege, and I appreciate this time and opportunity to share my life. So to answer your question, fashion to me was innate, even before I guess I knew that our father was entering in the fashion industry. And am I involved in fashion? 
Not really, because I think when I left fashion 18, 19 years ago, when I started real estate, that kind of was left behind. But I still have come across many individual brand, upcoming brand who I would occasionally consult with. But it's not necessarily like fashion driven anymore. These are special luxury products because I think I enjoy the marketing aspect of it, having to understand different markets, different culture, and how different products are launched in different continents. So I love talking about it. Yes. And how was your time at Elle Magazine? It sounds so interesting. Yes. I can tell you that that was a very lucky opportunity, a fortunate opportunity for me and my colleagues. My boss at that time, he's still around and he's still my my mentor. His name is Bob Gutwillick. He's an American, born in New York, but at the time he was living in Paris. Very, very unique. He is that kind of boss that gave us wings. He knew what our potential was and said, all right, go here and there, talk to this company and let me know what you think. And at that time, it was really interesting because we barely just had like AOL at that time, like our laptop. And so it was uh, the communication at that time was really through facts in the beginning And so I would write down the whole entire report about the company and he will give us his own interpretation of how the company is and how we can work with them. He's like a real marketing genius and he's turning 90 today and I'm grateful that he's still my mentor, great businessman. He is the person who launched many international titles for Elle magazine from Russia to Beijing even before their June 4th event. What got you interested in high-end real estate in New York, in Manhattan? Well, interestingly, even in my 20s, before I kind of had New York in my radar, many of my closest friends, still today my best of friends who were educated in New York, went to NYU and Cornell, they would meet me in our early 20s and just knowing my character the way that I would function every day in the business and everything. They're like, Jenny, you belong to New York. You need to move to New York. You know, that's where you're going to love living. And in 1997, I had an epiphany. You mentioned earlier in my bio that I started joining our family business at the age of 19. And at that time, I felt like I needed to step away and live my life because since our father passed away, my life was more about taking care of the family and shared half about my career. And I needed to be independent totally. And I felt like there was a bigger world out there. See, Hong Kong is an incredible dynamic city, which will always be in my heart. But at that time, I realized that everything is not available in New York. So for instance, like art shows or theaters, the operas, they only come like once or twice a year in Hong Kong. But I did not know about New York. But then I just thought to myself, okay, I'm going to leave Hong Kong for a bigger world to learn and grow. And this was in May 2000. Oh, excuse me. I know it's a decade. So that was in May 1997. The month after I flew to Paris where Bob was and I practiced my script over a hundred times with all my friends. And I sit in front of his office in Paris and I said, Bob, 
I need to leave Hong Kong and I'd like you to place me wherever you need me to. And I was so nervous. 30 seconds later, Bob is like, all right, you need to leave and you want to be placed elsewhere. Where can we move you to? And that was it. 30 seconds. He made that decision. And seven months later, I find myself in New York City. I feel that I'm the luckiest person on the planet to have such a guardian angel. And not only for me, but all the colleagues, we all happen to be all female. All the colleagues that we worked with, we thought that that was our golden years. There is rarely a boss like that who basically gave us wings to excel in areas that we are good at. Now, let me circle that because we spent a lot of time in the show talking about the importance of opportunity, equal opportunity, men, women, people of different races, sexual orientation, religious belief should all have the same opportunity. But in truth, opportunity shows up very randomly in different lives of different people in different ways. And it is important for me to circle the skills this man had because without him, there would not have been any opportunity for you. So maybe you can talk a little bit to our audience. And this goes out to CEOs who need to grow and become better at providing opportunity, providing wings to people, not just looking at them as profit centers. And for people who are working in the inner city, we need to provide wings to those young men and women so that they have hope in their life. So what did this man do to provide you with wings? What skill set did he have that you'd want to share with our listening audience so that they would aspire to have those same skills or those same attributes? So our former boss, Bob, is a rare breed. I came from Hong Kong, which is a very different culture. When I was in my family business, it was not like that. I mean, I love my relatives dearly who took over from our family business, but it was not like that. It was a very controlled and I think it started off first, what is really important before I answer that question of his quality is that I think throughout my life, I had this belief and I had this innate vision of what I'm passionate about. I didn't know at that time, but I just, what I did is bottom line is I followed my heart. I could have just gone back to school, could have done things in a traditional way. But I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in what makes me excited. And when people ask me, I said, I don't know how I did it. But first and foremost, follow your heart. Follow what you are passionate about. So, And I think from that, it connects you to the right people in your life, first and foremost. And again, I'm most grateful that Bob came into my life because I think he was almost like a father figure to me as well and to all of us as my colleagues. And what he was very good at was, see, Bob was born in, he's like nine years old, so he experienced the World War II. He experienced many things, the hardship in his era. He wrote books. He did everything that was, again, also quite, ahead of time than many American Jewish did in those days. He traveled to many neighborhoods with his book writing that not many Caucasian men would do at that time. 
So he had a very wide scope of understanding of human being, although he doesn't think that. But I think it's just innate him to have this like worldly outlook and to have this big scope of how to communicate with the other person and like meeting them in the middle. Like starting the magazine in Russia on China, it's not an easy thing. But he knew how to speak with them, to connect with them in their mindset, to connect with how it can be done. Like it's a global brand, but you need to localize it. And that's really how he adjusted and being adaptable. Yes. Let me stop there. Too much of our society now divides and labels and decides that we're not going to get along with or even like the other side. You can pick any side because the sides are now entrenched. And the truth is, is that that is limiting. It is limiting. It causes you to have a narrow, myopic view of life. And therefore, your ability to be able to relate to and be compassionate about an understanding of other people, other races, other points of view, people who hold other political positions or points of view, is non-existent. You become a myopic, thin, thin person in your thought. What Bob did was he traveled the world and he was open to different cultures and different people. He obviously had to be compassionate so that he could approach them with an understanding point of view as opposed to being judgmental. And in that regard, he was humble because he said he could always get better at that, which a person who's trying to aspire to be open to all cultures, all points of view, and to be compassionate will always be humble. Because you can endlessly keep trying to learn other cultures, other people, and you should, as opposed to getting entrenched in your myopic, thin, judgmental, non-compassionate point of view. But you were lucky. You had a person who was very open and stimulated the growth of you and many women across many different cultures. And I have to say that this is a remarkable person who did that and gave you your wings. And I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Now, I want to highlight, I went to a number of events in about six, seven months before the pandemic that were really riveting. There were really interesting people who would come and talk about their company or what they were doing that was you know, helping the world. There was art and there were interesting people in penthouses. What was that about? I enjoyed going in, but where did that idea come from and what were you trying to do? Thanks for mentioning that. And I was so happy when we met and for you to honor us, the presence at my events. So this is what happens is every several years in my career path and in my life, there's no accident that, you know, there's this saying that it's a seven-year itch. Every seven, eight years, there's this change that I observe in my life that there's a need for me to shift. And it's consistently happened in the 30 year of my working over 30 years. 2017 came and I observed that first is I needed to do something different in my real estate career I love selling four walls, but I'm not just about four walls. I wanted to encompass things that I'm passionate about. And at that time, I already observed that there is going to be a lot of new developments building in Manhattan. And there is already a slowdown of the market. The market peaked in 2017. And in my personal life, 
I have a lot of very talented artist friends from landscape to artist, painter. And I thought, wouldn't it be great for me to combine that and to make something more meaningful in my world of real estate? So I started art and real estate concept because I've been with Corcoran for 16 years. I enjoy meeting people. I have no problem talking to people and giving them my crazy ideas. So that's how I started. Well, your ideas are not crazy. You're very <laughs> self-deprecating, but you have brilliant ideas. And, it, and actually, what's really interesting is that what many, many people are not doing is going back and picking up the thread of where we were before the pandemic. And before the pandemic, many, many companies that were in advertising and different in the music genre, the fashion genre, the real estate genre, the sporting goods, the sports genre, the gambling genre, all of them were trying to figure a way to bring events together where they could cross brand, where you could come in and see the top fashions, maybe in a great residential real estate location and meet some sports stars or have somebody talking to you about something or maybe a great artist performing. The pandemic, of course, has, you know, people are just beginning to wonder, can they go outside? And if they can, what about this Delta variant? And well, not all countries are equally vaccinated. So, you know, can you travel to other places? Can you invite people from other countries? There's a myriad of issues that are still undecided. And the government doesn't do a good job at all of really guiding us. They just, just all kinds of conflicting news. You don't know what to make of it. But you were kind of ahead of your time in some ways and cross-branding. And I think when we come out of this pandemic, whenever it is, when we fully come out so that people can come and travel among countries freely and not worry about variants, that's something that should reappear on the international stage, don't you think? Well, if you're in New York City on July 21st, that's actually my first well-being and real estate event happening. Oh, wow. I think I actually will be there on the 21st. And so I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. But because you know, there's a beauty of having an experience of growth, whether it's music or art or your personal well-being. We have had people on our show who are very insistent that you people should eat a certain way so that they have a better lifestyle. There's a lot of things that are going on. Well, I know that you have recording artists and writer clients and friends. So if anyone wants to come and perform, the stage is theirs. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, everybody who just heard this podcast, you know, hear this. Look, in my experience in life, there are some people that have no anger in their heart. They have no need to separate or divide or to judge. So they're this translucent light. They're this amazing light that will touch you when they walk in a room those people are connectors you know they're really connections like think of lamps lights out on a street between street corners you would be in the dark if you didn't have those street lamps well in life there are people who are connectors and you really will have an experience with them and you'll really never know why they did that for you or what they were getting out of it themselves because in life you always think what's in it for me but the connectors are not really thinking that way. They're kind of guiding a lot of people to a place where they can grow. And that's what Jenny does. When we're done with this whole podcast, you'll realize that's what she does. Thank you so much for your generous words. 
the concept of art and real estate and well-being and real estate, it's all very strategic. Of course, first of all, how can it fit into my brand image and being a real estate agent? And how can I serve to the people that I collaborate with and artists or brand? I've done like cosmetic products, jewelry, besides art and all of that. And then how can it benefit, of course, my colleagues, you know, the, the new developments by bringing in collectors and people who, you know, the way I was inspired was that you see a beautiful painting. And of course, the most expensive painting in the world that the painters, you know, the artists are not there. But I always look at a beautiful painting and, and would think to myself, wow, what was the artist thinking when he was, this was created? So I like that personable interaction by the creator. And at the same time, in my events, there has to be a higher purpose. Yes, the event is higher purpose for the artist, for the building, and for my business, but I want to bring it to another level. Higher purpose, what that means is that the people who collaborate with me, the exchange is that, I mean, it's all for free, and the exchange is that a portion of their sales proceed will be donated to a socially conscious organization. That is at higher purpose because I observe that many people are very generous. They want to help, but they don't really necessarily know where to help and who to help because there's just so many things out there. So when I curate an event collaborating with different parties, I will say, all right, what are the organizations that you know you like to support? And let's pick one that makes sense for this particular event. And to me, that is rewarding. To me, that is, I've served my purpose. Yeah, you're an event planner. You're a person who brings big events together. If someone wants to go to your event on July 21st, how would they do that, Jenny? Send me an email at jenny.ma at corcoran.com. And Corcoran, spell that out for the audience, please. So Jenny is J-E-N-N-I-E dot M-A at C-O-R-C-O-R-A-N. Dot com. C-O-R? Can you spell that one more time? C-O-R-C-O-R-A-N dot com. Got it. I'm, I'm sure many of your audience have seen Shark Tank. So Barbara Corcoran, she's a founder of our agency. Ah, there we go. There we and, go. Uh, and another strong woman in the world. We are grateful for her. And that's why I'm here for 16 years. And many of my colleagues have been 20, 30 years. My mom was incredibly successful in business, and she could walk into a room and without ever showing ego or, or trying to manipulate or having a temper, she could guide people in, in an amazing way. And I decided at a very young age that women are natural business leaders. They just are. They have a beautiful grace inside them that sometimes men are slow in coming to. I hate to say it, guys, but you know some of us eventually get there. Slow learners, as my sisters would say. Now, the final point I want to, because we could talk all day, is you're involved in something in the Hawaiian Islands that really drew my attention. When I was younger, I read a lot about Indian life, and what struck me was their respect for nature, their understanding of nature, and that they were taking care of this planet, even they're primitive, and they had their own issues, tribal warfare, etc., Western man has 
conquered nature to the point where it is now making this planet unsustainable. There has to be some progressive people who want to try to reverse engineer things so that you can get back to a culture that is more simplified, sustainable, and cherishes nature. You're involved with something like that, and I don't know how much you can talk about it, but I'd like to at least put that out there on the palette of our listeners. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not thinking already about, you know, there are places right now out west, not Los Angeles yet, but there are places out west, Arizona, Vegas, Oregon, Washington State, parts of Canada, that you can't go outside because your organs, if you're outside too long, will incinerate inside you. That's happening now. And here's the biggest problem with everyone who's listening. If it's not happening to you, then it's not real. You're not the one running with an umbrella to your car and then running to the supermarket and now trapped inside worse than the pandemic ever was because you're burning up. And then, you know, there's hurricanes that wallop parts of Florida and New Orleans. And I had a woman on who told us that we're killing the coral reef because the ocean temperature is too high and that that results in carbon emissions that were being stored and taken in by the ocean and its creatures no longer happening. So if we don't start reverse engineering the way we live and start moving on a community level back to some basic principles, we're not going to have a planet to live on. And I don't care what you say. You can just be dense as a door if you want to be and wait until your state incinerates or gets flooded. What are you doing in Hawaii? Because I'm very interested in that. So let me give you a little backgrounder. About eight years ago, I co-founded an initiative platform with friends in Geneva and in Paris called Choice of the Future. The goal of Choice of the Future is the, a platform to talk about all the issues on the planet and to look at the solutions. And since I'm in real estate, but this passion has been with me for a very long time, which is another story, and you and I can 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 talk about it over a drink one afternoon. But the goal of a sustainable living is very clear to me that is the necessity. Besides the global warming, we have this waste issue in the threat of food shortage. And one thing led to another. Again, if you follow your heart, then the right thing in the right group of people will appear to you. I met the founder of Aster Impact, and she's now a friend. And the plan is to build a sustainable village. This sort of exists in Europe. They call it a micro city. The concept of that is, first of all, going back to the Native Americans, I've met many, many Native American friends as I was living here and being half Filipino myself, I understand the whole way. It's not a ritual, but the respect. The way that we look at the land and especially very beautifully expressed by a Native American man I met, he said, we're not owners of land. What we are as human beings, we are caretaker and protector of the land. 
So when something is taken from us, we are not hurt because a property is taken from us, the ownership. It's not about the ownership. We just want it to be protected. And I thought that was really beautiful and with respect. And this is what this micro city is about. And ambitiously, we want to like bring this into Hawaii. So we are investigating another potential place. But Hawaii, as we all know, has a perfect climate, has a perfect resource. And the goal of this micro city is to have a community that will encompass a carbon forestry and its own farm or permaculture farming and solar energy and the solar energy is being fueled by waste product and to me that is huge anywhere around the world in the way that the homes are designed conceptually are big enough for people to enjoy at home but now since the pandemic there's more and more people who have the need to remote work so there will be a big enough community center to host, everybody has a desk, like a WeWork style. Every resident has a desk and affordable housing. And so it's going to create jobs. It's going to create healthy living. And it's all about, again, well-being. Because as we know, a lot of survey has been done, research, that being isolated after three months costs people the depression. So the goal of this community center so that people don't end up being isolated and working at home is that they're able to have this human interaction. And it's, as you know, Hawaii is very airy. So every structure is built, you know, like with the inside and outside. And so that's a whole goal of this sustainable village that we have. And that's really about much what I can share because it's not an easy task finding the right land and getting this approved in a place, in a perfect, beautiful scenario. But the whole idea of this is going to be a pilot model wherever we can find around the world and for people to come as an eco-tourist in an eco-tourism way to learn and be educated about this way of life. In a long-term vision, 10 years, 50 years, or 100 years down the line, in my world, in my vision, the goal is that for people in the underdeveloped world or in small towns can have this like innovative way of living and not having to depend the food source on the outside because they can go outside in their own house or in their community to provide food for their own family. Well, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to all of you because you've been a great listening audience Please share it to other people in other country, people in your household. This is free. It's a consumer service. I'm not getting paid. Jenny's not getting paid. We're here to inform you, not to get a vote, not to sway your political view, not to suggest that one skin pigmentation is better than another. That is so anciently, colossally stupid. And... We're here to kind of educate you about opportunities in the future and how to grow as a person. Lessons to take away from Jenny are follow your heart, because when you do that, you're in sync with your own universe. Be a person who's outward in the world and compassionate and open as opposed to judging. 
And ladies and gentlemen, the only way we're going to live on this planet long term is to seek out sustainability, which is tribal existence, but not tribal thought process where my tribe's better than yours. It is more of a community-rooted type of existence where we take care of ourselves. And I'm going to keep saying this until finally some people start listening to me. Corporations, politicians, and the media became too big. They took on too big a role. And now human beings, whole generations, look to these corporations, politicians, and media to direct them as to how they should live their life. Every single one of them, though, is biased, and they are not looking out for you, and it's almost foolish for you to think they are. The media is looking for ratings, and they don't no longer value truth-telling. There's so little truth in the media, it is frightening. Politicians just want your vote. They're owned by corporations, and corporations, and if you don't know this, you'll know it soon enough, put profits all the time before people. All the time. And they cheat. I sue lots of them. And I get into their records, and I get into their notes, and I'm going to tell you, find me that honest corporation from top to bottom, and I'll be shocked. But I can tell you that I've met great, great people are like 80 years old, 80, 92, 64, that are doing great, great things. And if you were back in the day of living in a community, those elders would be your leaders and they would be truth-telling because that's what they did. And you'd rely on them because you could see them and you could know what their motive only was to support the same community that you live in. For the betterment of all. We've gotten so far away from that. Now there's just hatred and yelling and name calling and fake news and all this stuff that just really dampens your day. It doesn't show you any new light or perspective unless you run into someone like Jeff Nelson or Jonathan, who was on my podcast, who talked to you about the importance of putting sustainable, healthy food in your body so that you don't need all those pills and procedures that big pharmaceutical companies teach doctors to jam down your throat, which ultimately kill you anyway. And listen to guests that I'm going to bring on here, like Father Greg Boyle, who talks about the importance of compassion, that we're all broken people, but that we can communicate with anybody, anywhere, if we have compassion. And Jenny, who talks about living through and by your heart. And all of us, I think, as human beings innately, if we put aside the noise, the noise of hatred, the noise of the media, the noise that's created by companies that sell you products that have too much sugar and too much salt to addict you, and the noise of addiction, and the noise of infliction, and the noise of division, and put all that aside, your human being heart that you're born with will move you towards wanting to help other people to be the light that Jenny is, to connect other people, and to come up with solutions that rise the level of community living. Jenny, you are a star. And I hope that people are going to reach out at your email address and attend your events because at her events are also people like-minded, other enlightened souls who are going to help you learn how to live in this world. You should start turning off the news, turning off politicians, and don't ever believe what a corporation says. They don't go anywhere without us. Make smart decisions about which corporations you interact with and why and demand that they be more honest. Otherwise, grow your own food, as much of it as you can.
and eat healthy. You deserve a better life. And meet people who are different than yourself and learn how to listen to them and understand them and be compassionate towards them so that they become part of the community as well and there's a place for them. Jenny, do you want to say any final words to our audience? May I share a one-minute poem that I wrote? I think that would be fitting for today. Yes. Okay. A new dawn, surrendering into the night. I lay in my bed to rest, surrendering my body to the sound of my treasured day. The experienced past no longer mine, the day not for me to hold on to. I let the sound of the river wash my soul, the chance for the sound of silence, the moment of silence of the silence. As the whispers fade into my sleep, I surrender to the precious gift of a new dawn. Wow. I really feel very honored by you. This was inspired in Aspen, Colorado. Well, Jenny and audience, I told you, I have amazing human beings that we find for you or that we know so that you can have your day changed and your life changed and your perspective changed. Jenny, just keep connecting, keep influencing, keep infusing and blending arts and your passions and thank you for appearing on the show thank you very much jerry for this honor i'm so grateful for this opportunity and i hope everybody enjoyed it yeah i'm sure they did and please when you get this episode share it with the world This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.